Um, so I'm just going to give a brief introduction and a little bit of background to the project so you know what, what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, so um, we've had three Herefordshire poets in residence so far. We've had um, Paul Henry, Adam Horowitz and Fiona Sampson um, over about four years and it's been uh, really wonderful um, doing that. But this takes us in a new direction and it's come about thanks to the support and partnership of the Malvern Hills Area of Outstanding Natural oh, Beauty. That's, that's not me, obviously. That's, <laughs> that's me. Just... So, uh, David Armitage is here, and um, it's really wonderful to have this new partnership and um, to see where, it, where it's going to take us, and therefore to move our, our location and to start to travel over to Malvern and the Hills. And so, when we th were thinking, I was thinking a bit about what to call our new, this new uh uh, poets that we we will have, and for me, a troubadour. I looked it up, but actually, it's a composer of songs uh, in in the Middle Ages. Officially, isn't that? Mm. That's what a troubadour was. But for me, I've also, I've always thought of a troubadour as a wandering, yeah. a wanderer, journey, yeah, journey, yeah, a journeyman poet, and that they they might travel from a house to a house and make uh, tell stories or make poems up. Um, even to order, <laughs> uh, yes, which was <laughs> another thing that we, we asked uh, Jean to do. So Jean sprang to mind immediately for this role, and that and partly I'm, I've been reading her collection, Not Lost Since Last Time, for uh, a long while, and um, it's quite an old collection, but it is still available on Oversteps Books website, and it's a wonderful um, collection full of woods and farms and the tales of inhabitants. Uh, gone and still still present and st starry skies and nature and so it just uh, that's very uh, very perfect for this role and also the work that Jean's been doing with Ledbury Poetry Festival we've had um, a wonderful workshop for school pupils where um, they made poems inspired by birds nests just fabulous mm -hmm. lovely poems came out of that and then um, Jean also did a wonderful walk uh, uh, through Frithwoods, a poetry mm -hmm. walk with writing. So, um, uh, lots of reasons why uh, why why Jean. Uh, we hope Jean would take on the role, and um, uh, her new pamphlet, which she'll be reading from today, uh, partly I think is Lux Weight, and um, so that's going to be lovely to hear from that. But Jean uh, has Cumbrian and Scottish roots, and you now live in Jean now lives in Shropshire. And her poetry has been commissioned for Radio 4 and featured on Best Scottish Poems by the Scottish Poetry Library and has also appeared in many magazines and, anthology, and anthologies. Um, so when we started to plan this role, the idea with David when we were talking was that we would um, want to try and help people, to enable people to sort of discover hidden places in the hills, uh, perhaps places that you wouldn't normally know, know about to go to, or even sort of private places that David has access to, which is very exciting because he knows <laughs> lots of the people that live and live around, around the hills. So hopefully you'll uh, want to come with it, come and join us on writing workshops and explorations of the hills in the spring. Um, but we've also already started doing some work with schools and um, the first workshop which um, David set up was at our old Colwell House, which is a privately owned house, very lovely, with a big old uh, YouTuber. Jean will tell us more about that. Mm. But um, the point is Bosbury School came and the children spent a whole day outside you know so it's it's wonderful it's going to be the start of many i think exciting things 
Um, and the other thing I want to mention is that today we're launching um, our online call-out for poems. Uh, so we've done this before with uh, the Poetry Orchard and the Physic Garden poems, and this, this, this time we're asking for poems uh, inspired or about hills. And uh, we hope many will be inspired by the Malvern Hills, but they don't have to be, so they can be um, hills anywhere. And um, hopefully lots of people will give us poems, and we'll have a reading at the festival when we'll invite everyone who's offered us a poem to come and read their poem and have a lovely celebration of the project and of the poems. So um, uh, to steal Jean's words, we're looking forward to reading small mountains of poems, which is <laughs> lovely, <laughs> lovely. Um, so Jean herself has been uh, commissioned to write a new poem to launch this project and to launch the online call. So it will be the first poem that you can read when you go onto the website. Um, so I'm really pleased to invite her now to read her new poem, One Uncertain History of the Mulvins, as well as a selection of your poems. Um, lovely, thank you. <coughs> thank you. It's such, a, it's such a pleasure to be here on National and National Poetry Day. And um, the Troubadour of the Hills project, I think it's just a joy. It's lovely, lovely, lovely idea. And... Um, I can certainly do the roaming and wandering bit. <laughs> Proceeds to roam and wander. Um, so I'm going to start by reading you the brand new, shiny, commissioned poem that poor Chloe, she keeps getting slightly updated versions of before she puts on. And indeed, this very morning, I thought, oh, there's a full stop in here, please. <laughs> there it goes, then. It is, I should say, in, it's pretty much directly based on a walk. Um, so I do a lot of walking and writing and I literally carry a scruffy notebook and stop and write things down and I don't pause to consider them I just keep going and um, and I, I started at the southern end of the hills um, across um, the park at Broomsborough and walked under the hill under ragged stone along the east side of the hill and therefore over Hollybed Common and um, back up through the gullet where it poured on us, and then um, back along the top of the hills, so over Midsummer Hill and then Chase End Hill to get back. So this is a completely repeatable walk by anybody, um, I think about eight miles, and, um, and, and this is what happened. Okay? Um, so it's called One Uncertain History of the Malvins. Wide horns and white medieval flanks, heavy as August, the cattle linger by a shrinking pool. Broomsborough, oaked, milky. I'm lit along the wood edge, blonde light off corn stubble, a sky full of rain and light. In one ear, press of hide on saplings, the unseen deer retreat. Ragged stone, steep, sallow. A bellwether sheep leads a long file past me, Roman nose to soiled tail. They beat the cloven common into the common. Hollybed, pale, trodden. Come out at the car park, red car, yellow car, sweet, CD blackberries. Rain runs down me, down the hill and down the hour. The gullet, scarred, fogged. The hills 
are always here. They wear away. They stay. Grip close the patience of the igneous. Their fossils sit me out. Midsummer hill. Bedrock. Bowl sky. Banked with shades and shadows, winding up inside a slope, the deep lane remembers everything. Forgets. Remembers. I misremember everything I know. Chase End Hill. White cumulus. Concrete. Trig. Thank you. So one walk. Um, I'll tell you a bit about um, Old Colwall and um, the Cloud Hedge because um, this was the first proper starting day of Troubadour of the Hills uh, about two weeks ago now. Um, we, David set up at Old Colwall um, the opportunity to bring Bosbury Primary School, uh, the top two classes of Bosbury Primary School, um, we're coming over for the day because at Old Colwall, first they have the Cloud Hedge, which is this huge 300-ish years old um, yew hedge. It's probably 30 to 40 feet high. It's something like the width of a room. Um, and it's called a Cloud Hedge um, because it's been allowed to grow semi-naturally. It's like skilled neglect. It's been clipped into these marvellous cumula cumulus shapes, so it sort of billows above the, above the gardens, absolutely beautiful. Um, so we loosed, and loosed all the primary kids into the cloud hedge and they just infested it um, and it was brilliant. And, uh, and then I got them back and I got them to work in pairs and they gave me a line of poetry from each pair. And then at lunchtime, while they ran, ran riot in the grounds, I, I, I sort of ate my sandwich and, and edited it, and then we performed it after lunch. So the repeated line, which is just the cloud hedge, the kids said every time, OK. I waved a pencil, and they went, the cloud hedge. <laughs> OK. So um, it goes like this. The cloud hedge has leaves like bubbles in air, has twisted faces that mutter in the wind. The cloud hedge is shady like a tent and stormy like the channel. Is a mysterious tunnel stretched like a witch's broom. Is like bubbles outside, but inside dark and poisonous. The cloud hedge has branches that flow through an everlasting maze. Has branches that flow like water. Has branches that reach to sky like hands reach to heart. The cloud hedge is ancient spindled roots, is green patchwork silky leaves, is puffy and shady like a comfy dream. The cloud hedge has spooky spidery branches, has hot air going in but cold air coming out, is fat like a hippopotamus tree. The cloud hedge is a dark sharp spike, a pin that blows in the wind, is as grumpy as a cloud. The cloud hedge swallowed us like flies, never stopping to wait for us. 
The dark green, silky, dim, curved green, long, stretched out cloud hedge. (laughs) (laughs) That's completely brilliant. I know, wonderful, wonderful things kids do. Um, So that was magnificent, and I'm really looking forward to, um, in the spring we'll be running walks and and workshops to go into, into the hills, but also into some of these places that you would not otherwise see. This is actually, you know, an opportunity to troubadour behind some closed doors. Mm-hmm. Old joke. And, yeah. um, uh, and, and, and that's, that's going to be very exciting. It's, it's fascinating what's there that I wasn't aware of. So it's great. Um, here's, a, you know, before we leave the hills, I have a few other poems to read you. Um, this is actually a poem I, w- I wrote about 18 months ago, which is actually about the Mulvans. Um, we went and walked. Um, we walked for a day up the west side of the Mulvans, but under the hills. It's about 11 miles. Beautiful walk. And then we stayed overnight in Great Malvern and then walked back the next day over all the peaks. Ooh. So I was quite knackered by the time we got back to Chase End Hill. It was steeper than usual. Um, but I had in mind at the time Piers Plowman and uh, William Langley, who, who of course, you know, is one of the... He's just the, he's just the earliest poet we actually know of to be inspired by the Malvins. But the Malvins have been so built on and buried upon and, you know, obviously been Beacon Hills, everything about them. They've, they've been a landscape with presence that's inspired people for as long as human history in all likelihood. Anyway, this is called In a Fair Field at White-Leaved Oak. The path was a thread through hills, or the hazels galloped in wild garlic. I had edged between white butterflies to get here, carrying lunch and waterproofs. I saw that the weight of long dead feet had made this track and bellied it and smoothed its skin. I was there below birds that sang in rings. Then the whole wood boomed under a plane. A dog walker walked politely smiling by. And first a church bell called and then a lamb. Out of a green shade slopped the wash of warm shallow seas and a treasure of corals and crinoids. But now I idled on fad white clays, surprised when a trumpet sounded in a distant garden. It fanned the black flies up to the contrails. So I sat down in the wrinkled field and counted all those dandelion globes. Um, okay, uh, now I've got a few poems to uh, another... They get too desperate, another four, um, which are all sort of poems of place or story. And I think that's really how I interpret this will go. You know, we're looking at place and, and the stories around the place. Um, the next two are part of a project I've got at the moment working with um, musicians from Whalebone. Um, they, they're a Shropshire based band. And um, these next two poems. Wellbone fan. Has, uh, the next two poems um, have been set to music by Wellbone, and we will be performing it from next year. Okay, it's called Understories, the project, and it's the idea 
was to find and, and try and explore the new folklore of, really, I suppose, the West, Shropshire and the West Midlands, and um, some of its urban and rural myths. Okay, so it's meant to be the stuff that's generally it's more just out of living memory than ancient, ancient legend. We've avoided Edric, for example. Um, this one is a, is a story, true as I stand here, from Ketley, which of course once had a village green and is now rather subsumed under Telford's tarmac. Okay, so this is the Ketley Tiger. In rain, a tightrope walker leads a boy from Ketley through the tents. She sways her hips down horse lines, says. Do you want to see the tiger? In lantern light, the great cat rises, black and orange as paints. In rain, a tightrope walker leads a boy from Ketley through the tents. He bangs his stick on iron bars. Tiger, he calls. Oh, tiger! Its eyes are stripy flints. The tiger springs. The cage is smashed. Its spine is snapped. There's thunder. In rain, a tightrope walker leads a boy from Ketley through the tents. She sways her hips down horse lines, says. Want to see the tiger? Another year, an urban night, a tired driver in an Astra takes the roundabout, third exit into Ketley. A full-beam tiger in the moonlight, pacing its cage on the grass. The driver is afraid he is awake. Another year, an urban night, a tired driver in an Astra takes a breath, a tiger in his brain. The foundations of his suburb shake. He clutches tea, says to his wife, its stripy eyes were burning bright. Another year, an urban night, a tired driver in an Astra takes the roundabout, third exit into Ketley, a full-beam tiger in the headlight. Every word is true. This one... Oh, this is the second um, understories poem I'm going to give you. This is about um, this is about the place called uh, sometimes Old Roxeter, sometimes Verulamium. If I, pro I was trouble pronouncing it, the Roman ruins of Old Roxeter, just to the northeast of, of Church Stretton. And um, yeah, this was set off by me discovering, uh, well, taking into mind that in the 19th century it was often called Uricon much better name in my opinion and, um, and also that I found there was a story that the giants had built it and the sparrows had ruined it and furthermore that three miles from Uricon is Maidley which is one of those places in Britain where the locals built a wall to keep the cuckoo in okay Uricon to keep the cuckoo in never heard that one mm -hmm. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a marker of um, local dimness Oh. <laughs> a wall to keep the cuckoo in. <coughs> Hang on to the springs. Okay, Uricon. He took my mare by her cheek piece and held tight. Don't ride on, sir, not into darkness. There rests an hour of daylight yet, I said, but he'd have none of it. The giants built Uricon, he said. They raised their walls so thick and tall as you can see, sir. <coughs> and their city 
lies under that green mound yonder. Unhand me, I said, but his old hand gripped the bridle, and my mare stood like a stone. Do you know, sir, what brought down Uricon? I don't, and I don't care, said I. When the giants left for the mountains, he went on, and their doors blew wide, and rain dripped in through their roofs, the sparrows came. The sparrows, sir, he said. Like a cloud of unknowing, they flew into Uricon, and with their thousand little bills they pecked that dusty mortar, and pecked those red clay bricks till they tore old Uricon down. I don't believe a word of it, I said, and shook my reins. The old man held my mare by one ear. Tis nothing, he muttered, for in Maidley men built a wall to keep the cuckoo in. Thought they could keep hold of the cuckoo and the spring, like you could stop a cloud of sparrows pecking. <laughs> <laughs> Um, here's a little poem based on my delighted discovery that um, a name for a scarecrow, okay, Lord of the Crows. Okay, so this is Lord of the Crows. He stands above the field like a steeple or a harvest hag. He wears a suit gone green. They built him on a stake, threaded a broom handle through his sleeves, stuffed him with straw, buttoned him against the cold, showed him his job with the banging of pans and shaking of clackers, yells of the small boy bird scarers and following slow clap of crows. On his feedback face, a painted grin, and two unfocused eyes as blue as jays. His stringy hair escapes beneath his cap. He is a common man, and on his shoulder sits a common crow. Their fates are sealed. The seed stirs in the soil. Scarecrow is the old soul of the field. And, um, I'll finish off with um, a poem from Lux Waite. This was written, I, I'm reading this because it's another walking poem actually. This was based on, I had an Arts Council grant to be poet in residence at Acton Scott Museum. Mm -hmm. So that's the Working Farm Museum. Um, and uh, it was a lovely project, inevitably, because I got to hang around chair horses and they put me in a shepherd's hut and the public was so entranced by the sight of a shepherd's hut they climbed in, um, all before they realised they had to meet a poet at the top. <laughs> <laughs> so I got lots and lots and lots of people involved and we, we had over a hundred poems written at the farm by the public um, in three months and we hung them on this beautiful handmade oak fence. Um, I worked out something that was ludicrously labour-intensive for myself, so I got them to write the poem, and I got them to send them to the, to, to the website as well. And, um, and then I printed out people's poems, you know, onto a sort of piece of paper that size, and then I laminated the darn things. Then I hole-punched them and hung them on a red ribbon and took them back to the 
fence and tied them up. Then I photographed it and put it back on the web. So, <laughs> so it, it was very... Full it, circle. Yes, full circle, yeah. Um, anyway, this is about the walk I did because I discovered that Acton Scott had something that's rare in the north where I come from. They had a, a map of all the field names, all the names on it. And um, they were really wonderful. And so I took the field name map and an ordnance survey map and a notebook and a pencil and a camera. And then I sort of went and headed off into the fields and wandered about, ignoring public footpaths, frankly, um, to, to try and find as many places uh, uh, as I could that were on the map. So this is called How Time Is in Fields. Back of Wright's yard, I climbed the first gate into Springwell. Cows cudded and sunned by a veteran ash. Grasshoppers churred in little rye croft. I turned back from a track choked with thistles and sheep dung. Little lane piece was sprung with oaks. I wound my way on a narrow path through high hogweed and stinging nettles. In Rycroft copy, a mole turned mortal, upside to heaven. Above him brown ringlets wavered the clover. A whispering ash at broomy Rycroft, the ragleth was rising from cover. Blue flies moved slowly and thickly in shade. Old paths swayed from tree to tree. I crossed a dark July slow stream. My way was edged with burdock and barley. A scatter of feverfew, pearly in the rough. Wenlock edge stepping by on my right, long lip after lip dropping dim in the sun. The ragleth ran closer, slope-shouldered and dun. Mains of elderflower flowed in the hedge. At the third ford, rabbit bones, a trim of birds, a trembling shade like water. I climbed and had to stop for breath. Dried mud, hoof prints. I climbed again. The pigments of oak leaves were breaking down in dust. At the top, a gate where a great coppice ash marked an edge. Now a long green ride, ledges of the min slept in folds at my back, long purple foxgloves tilted among hazels. At Ayer's rim the gyrestone winked from Hope Bowdler, volcanic watcher, path marker, ancient fist. I walked on the lie of the old track from Chelmick, still tagged with winter-carded wool. In the squatter village, the hedge lines grew loose. A sagging gate, a wheeled hen house, my path lost in crops. A pigeon sloped through a wood. Downhill, with barley hissing on my jeans. The road at last, tire-tracked by heat. In the verge, a mullen leaned and meadow sweet. Gunshot. Once. Twice. Smell of dung and dead stock. Crow. By Roger's Ruff, a one-eyed cottage under renovation. Everywhere, 
the local ground makes shift for the duration. Thank you. Thank you, Jean, for that lovely reading. What a fabulous way to start <coughs> National Poetry Day and also to begin this project. So thank yes. you very much. Thank lovely. you. Thank you. Thank you.